Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 1. We just started going through 1 Timothy last week, so those of you who are with us for the uh, first time in this series, um, you haven't missed a whole lot. <laughs> We're just in the second week of uh, 1 Timothy. Tonight we'll begin in, uh, in verse 8. So, um, Oftentimes, I think, when we talk with others about the Bible, uh, and we come up with um, hot topics, topics that are that are um, um, talked about and raised about in our culture, um, you might hear from people who are not believers, well, yeah, but that was the Old Testament. And this is the New Testament. Uh, because, for instance, um, a, a common objection when it comes to the issue of, uh, of homosexuality, for instance, um, someone might say, well, yeah, but, you know, they required people not to eat shellfish too, and you had to stone your rebellious children and things like that, and, and you have this objection. And so because of that, some people want to just dismiss the Old Testament. They want to dismiss the law uh, and say, oh, we just, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with the the uh, the moral constraints, but I really kind of like this Jesus guy. Well, the two go together. Jesus came as the fulfillment of the law, and our text tonight tells us that the law is good, yet it can be misused. Um, Amy read from a text saying, "Oh, how I love your law, O Lord." Uh, the Old Testament. Um, lifted up the law as, as something that is, that is a jewel, that is a precious jewel, uh, something that is, is wonderful, something that we meditate on day and night. Um, I don't think that Jesus then would turn around and reject everything that was pointing to Him in the first place. So tonight, we're coming to what Paul says about the law um, here in, in 1 Timothy. Beginning in verse 8, it says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, and slavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Let's pray. Father, may we be people who love Your Word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, give us minds that understand how to Use the law lawfully, properly. May we, may not, may we not be 
swept up in controversies and speculations. But may we be people who keep the main message of Scripture at the forefront. Father, we love you. We pray. We, we thank you for revealing yourself to us in your word. And we pray that you would feed us with your word tonight. In Jesus' name. We know that the law is good. Paul didn't have any problem saying that. We know that the law is good. I mean, he's just basically repeating what we heard from the Old Testament. The law is good. Oh, how I love your law. And yet, there is this instinct among some to kind of kick back at that. And, 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 and we, we hear this, oh, well, we're not under law, we're under grace. And even Paul himself says that in other places. We're not under law, but under grace. So what does this mean? We know that the law is good. God gave the law. And in fact, I think whenever he's speaking here of the law, um, he's not necessarily talking about just the Ten Commandments or even just the legal material that we find in Exodus through Deuteronomy, I think what he has in mind is all of the Mosaic writings from Genesis all the way through Deuteronomy. The law uh, is not just those things that we're telling us, do this and don't do this. The law, as, as we consider what Paul means here, is those first five books. Those first five books that begin with the promise of, of a Savior who would one day come and crush the serpent's head. We see the law even revealed, well, not revealed, but we see the law hinted at even within, we see the gospel hinted at even within the law here. Paul here says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. There's a condition here. It is possible to use the law unlawfully or improperly. What are some examples of uh, using the law improperly? Well, I think one way we can use the law improperly is to use it in a legalistic fashion. To say, this is the law and you can be saved by keeping the law. That's using the law improperly. We could never be saved by keeping the law. Our only hope is the fact that Jesus kept the law. Our only hope is the fact that Jesus kept the law and we throw ourselves on Him. And God accepts Jesus' perfect um, obedience of the law on our behalf. The law, legalism we see so often as to say, and sometimes we even slip into it accidentally. And sometimes, I think it's often our, um, uh, our default by nature. We want to try to please God by our works. Um, and when we, when we, because we know as believers, we live changed lives, when we fall short of the law, oftentimes we feel like, well, we can somehow make ourselves better by working harder at trying to keep the law. 
That was never the intention of the law in the first place. Paul here says, we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Let's go on. Verse 9. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but the lawless and disobedient. And then he goes on and, and lists very different, different things. This is, I think, similar to when Jesus says, I didn't come for the well. I came for the sick. Here, Paul says, the law was not for the just, but it's for the unjust. Um, it's for the lawbreakers. It's for, what does the text say? The lawless and the disobedient. What does the law do? Um, the law is what points us to our need for Christ. The law is what Paul calls elsewhere our tutor. That, that taught us that we needed Him. The law shows us I can't measure up no matter what I do. No, you know, I, I, can, I can get up every morning and read my Bible. I can, I can pray hours and hours a day. Um, I can, I can uh, give money to the poor. I can do all these things and yet I can never measure up. I can follow all the rules. I can, uh, you know, no, no, no um, I don't mean to um, uh, discount this or anything, but, you know, the Mike Pence rule, which used to be called the Billy Graham rule, uh, Billy Graham would not allow himself to be in a room alone with a woman who was not his wife, and that's a good practice. But, but to try to keep all these laws and say everyone must do that, and also uh, that somehow we're, we're making God more pleased with us, that's an improper use of the law. Our only hope is not to try to keep the law. Our only hope is by throwing ourselves at Jesus' feet and say, I've blown it. I could never keep the law. Jesus kept the law for me. Save me. He tells us, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. And I'm going to go ahead and name all these other categories. For the ungodly and sinners. For the unholy and profane. For those who strike their fathers and mothers. For murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. This does not correspond exactly to the Ten Commandments. And yet we see so many of the Ten Commandments brought out here. Um, for the lawless and disobedient, I think um, disobedient has the idea of rebellion. And what is the ultimate rebellion? It's idolatry. Idolatry is the first commandment. You know, you shall have no other gods before me. We are all rebels at heart. We have all broken that law. We have been disobedient to God's law. And Jesus made a way. He was the one who was perfectly obedient. Um, for the ungodly, um, I think that also kind of goes along with uh, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. For... Sinners, unholy and profane. Um, maybe the unholy and profane had to do maybe with the uh, 
the clean and unclean laws from, from the Old Testament. Um, then finally, for those who strike their fathers and mothers. We know that there's a specific command in the Ten Commandments that that is dealing with. It's uh, uh, you, sh- you must honor your father and your mother. He says, uh, for murderers, you shall not kill from one of the Ten Commandments. For the sexually immoral men, for men who practice homosexuality. I think both of those go together uh, as it, it's a violation of the command, you shall not commit adultery. And here, uh, Paul understands the command not to commit adultery is not just talking about specifically just adultery, but it's all kinds of sexual immorality. Um, For enslavers and liars. Uh, Enslavers would be literally man-stealers, and I think um, um, this, uh, this... you, this also kind of has the idea of, of stealing, of thou shalt not steal. Uh, liars, thou shalt not bear false witness. Perjurers, again, going along with that, thou shalt not um, bear false witness. And then whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, the, I'm not saying that every one of us has broken each one of these, but we've all fallen short of the law as a whole. We could never be saved. We could never be found righteous in God's sight by trying to just keep these laws. We've broken them. We've broken one, and we become a lawbreaker. And then finally, he says, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. There is a relationship between right living, and right doctrine. They're, they're, they're connected. Um, and oftentimes, what happens, maybe someone is a good teacher. Someone seems to be orthodox. Seems, someone seems to be um, teaching the right thing and living the right thing. And what seems to slide first? It's the lifestyle. Starting to slide in the lifestyle, starting to to um, slip away from following Jesus uh, in in our lifestyle. In 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 uh, I'm not saying again we're not saved by keeping the law, but but when we don't keep a watch on our lives, then it would lead then to further compromises and. Saying and justifying ourselves and saying, well, I don't really see it that way anymore. We see so many times here in, in recent days, people who, are, who would consider themselves ex-evangelicals. Someone, some pe- people who have, uh, are giving their deconversion stories about how they, be, they grew up in the Christian faith and they, uh, uh, they uh, have uh, maybe even served in churches and things like that. And then they come to a point where they've deconstructed their faith and they've walked away from the gospel. I'm going to give one example. Uh, there's a couple of YouTube personalities by the name of Rhett and Link. Anybody familiar with them? Rhett and Link? Um, they, uh, uh, one of the, the things they've done, they got together with the uh, creator of the Je- VeggieTales back several years ago and they made these Jelly Telly videos and they sang these 
songs about the creation of the, you know, what, what's in the Bible and, and things like that. Uh, kind of a puppet ministry type of thing. Well, just in the last year, Rhett and Link both came out and basically said they're no longer Christians. And what do they pinpoint as the thing that started to lead them away? One of them said uh, it's when they started to make friends who were, not, who were homosexuals. And, and they just started to, they, they couldn't justify um, their beliefs any longer. And so they, they reexamined it and they came out no longer believing the gospel. Um, first, there was a moral slip and then there was a doctrinal slip. And they ended up completely what they called deconverting away from following Jesus. I don't want to find myself inconsistent here. On the one hand, I'm saying the law is good if one uses it lawfully and using it unlawfully is legalism. And on the other hand, I'm saying yes, but Christians ought to have lives that are morally upright. Are those two things in contradiction? No, I don't believe that they are. Um, We... We live our lives as believers not... Uh, we, we live holy and upright lives not in order to get God to accept us. Uh, that's, I think, where the difference comes in. We, we're not striving and, and, and working so that God will love us more. He already loves us as much as He possibly could. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us while we were yet sinners. That is love beyond all measure. He's already done this. He already loves us. And therefore, we live with good works as a result from the inward change that He has done within us. And the good works that we do are things that are in accordance with sound doctrine. The things that we do are all based in the things that God has done. Um. We'll keep on going. In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. Again, it, it, um, he says, whatever else is, not contra- is contrary to sound doctrine, here he looks at it the other way around. In accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. The way we live, our behavior ought to be behavior that, is, that, is, that corresponds with that is consistent with the glory of the gospel. Lives that are changed. Just think about if we're saved, if we've been rescued by Jesus, what were we saved from? We're not just saved from hell. We are saved from hell, but that's not the only thing we're saved from. We're saved from our guilt. We're saved from our sin. He changes us. And if He's changed us, if He's made us a new person, if He's given us new desires, we're not going to live like the old person we used to be. And so, for that reason, we're going to live in accordance with the Gospel. 
in a way, it's not trying to gain God's acceptance. It's God has accepted me. I no longer love the things I used to love. Now I love Jesus. Now I want to follow Him. It's maybe a difference in perspective. Finally, he says, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. What has he been entrusted with? The gospel. Paul here was entrusted with the gospel. And let me back up here. Um, last week, we looked at the charge that Paul has given Timothy. Timothy was left there in Ephesus by Paul in order to command certain men not to teach any doctrine that was contrary to the gospel that Paul had preached. He had passed this commission on from himself to Timothy. And that's the same commission that Christians have today. We have received a message that we have been entrusted with. Our mission is not to spice it up and make it look better. Our mission is not to change it to make it more palatable to people. Our mission is to faithfully hand on what we have received from His Word. It had been entrusted to Timothy. It had been entrusted to, now it says to Paul. We're going to look more at that next week because the, the, the next passage says, I thank Him who gives me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Paul was appointed this. He was entrusted with this mission. And if we're believers today, He's entrusted us to a mission as well. Something that goes throughout the book of 1 Timothy, there is an emphasis in 1 Timothy to watch your life and doctrine closely. Sometimes I'm someone who emphasizes doctrine, doctrine, doctrine. I want to make sure that, that we get this right. But at the same time, something that is just as important as doctrine is our life. Does our life measure up? Is our life consistent with the gospel? Not that somehow, again, I keep, I keep falling back into this, not that somehow we earn God's acceptance, but is our life consistent with someone who's been changed by God? We're called to watch our life and doctrine, to be careful that we are consistent between the way we live and the faith that we profess. So I'm going to back up here. The law is good. We're not under the law, but under grace. But the law is good. The law serves its purpose. The law is that thing that when we're lost and apart from Christ, when it comes to us, we start to feel... I would say, when God starts to work on us, we start to feel conviction. We start to feel an awareness that we don't measure up. We start to feel the weight of sin. That's what the law is meant to do before we are changed. 
And law is that weight that makes us this heavy burden upon us that makes us cry out to God and say, I need a Savior. I need Jesus. And He rescues us. He rescues us from hell. He rescues us from death. He rescues us from guilt. He rescues us from shame. He rescues us from sin. And we live now in the newness of life. New creatures. New persons. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Has God done that in you? Has the law ever been such a weighty burden on you that you were so overwhelmed by your sin that you had to cry out to God for a rescue? Maybe, as you're here tonight, you just feel not the relief that Paul may be talking about, but still the weight of feeling like I don't measure up. My words to you tonight are, look to Jesus. Look to Him. He is the remedy for our sin-sick souls. He will take our burden upon Himself and He will set us free. Look to Him. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.